Welcome to the waterfront episode of the Land and Blast podcast. For most people looking for property, would it be safe to say that this is probably the most sought after thing in Oregon, waterfront property? If you're talking about rural property, it's got to be the number one requested thing is live water. Okay. Why is that? I have some opinions, but I want to ask, why is that? So, well, number one, I think it's scarcity. Okay. I mean, there's the, there's the natural beauty aspect of it. There's a recreational aspect of it. But I think, I, I think there's just something about the scarcity. Mm-hmm. Like they're not making yeah, few and far any between. more dirt on, on water. water. <laughs> yeah. And water's getting harder and harder to find. Like yeah. what used to be strong streams are, you know, with drought recently are not necessarily. Yeah, it was a game changer. So speaking of that, you know, with, with, why do people want to be on water? I think um, I think we get a lot of people who start the process say, I want to be on water. And I say, well, describe to me what you want to be on. Mm-hmm. What kind of water, you know, do you, well, I, I, I just want some kind of water feature. I get yeah. that all the time. And as we start to go through the process and I call it, as we start to peel back the onion mm-hmm. of, of what someone is looking for. Uh, and I'm going to kind of use myself as an example in this because I, I, I think it, it's a... Uh, I've had the luxury of selling property of almost every one of these different kinds with the exception of oceanfront. Mm-hmm. That's still on my bucket list, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, you name it from rivers to creeks to private lakes to, I guess I have sold one lakefront or a couple lakefront properties that shared um, access on a bigger lake. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, what I always tell people is I say, not all water was created equal and not all people Want, were created for the same kind of water. Absolutely. Kind of butchered that a little bit. No, but I'm, yeah. But not everybody's looking for the same yeah. body of water and not looking yeah. for the same stream. So, yeah. So generally speaking, you know, I'm just going to describe the different kinds of live water that we see. Uh, and here in Southern Oregon, I mean, the, the number one water source in the area is the Rogue River. Mm-hmm. Rogue River, I call it big water, but technically it's a, it's a navigable river. That means a few different things. Navigable means that number one, you can expect traffic. Mm-hmm. And that's, maybe it's not part of the definition of navigable, but you're, you need to expect traffic. Yeah, there's gonna be people out there enjoying that body yeah. of water. Lots of rafts, kayaks, boats, yeah. you name it. Navigable also means that you own to the high water mark. And there's probably a little bit more to unpack there, but that generally speaking, technically someone, if you had a really nice bank, mm-hmm. someone could roll up in a raft, stop on it, and they're not trespassing on your property. Right. So, and, and we've I've seen that happen up north where I'm at. You know, people come through, they stop on a piece of property, they fish, and keep going. Or down mm-hmm. in the Shady Cove area, see it all the time. People stop, absolutely, fish the hole, and then move on. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Uh, so the Rogue River, though it's the most notable river and has by far the most amount of available property on it. Uh, a lot of clients I have, well, some people just love the big water and they want to sit on it. They love the rafts and mm-hmm. the boats going by. It's part of the lifestyle experience. But I also have a lot of clients who go, I want privacy too. Sure. And being on a big river, it's not private in the summer. No. I mean, you get maybe a thousand people go by oh, man, on a raft in front of you. Yeah. Like it's, it's not private. Uh, it's also not super kid friendly. Big, it's dangerous water. Yeah, there's going to be some yeah some risk there. there. Millions You're going to have of grandkids or kids running around yeah. flowing by at any one moment. So that's that's what I call big water navigable river. The best example of that here in southern Oregon is the Rogue. The non-navigable rivers, uh, which in our area in, in Jackson County, the most 
the best example is the, the Applegate River. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it is a more private river. You okay. can still run a boat on it, but the banks are private. Okay. There's a lot of restrictions on the fishing and how you can fish. So you, you really can't, you can really tr commute on the river, mm -hmm. but you can't do a lot of fishing. So it, it is very private in how the rules are written. Sure. The Applegate's also, I couldn't tell you the exact number, but if I just off a gut level, it's probably one eighth the size of the Rogue. Okay. Uh, still big water. Yeah. Like, it's still a significant That's body a of, water. of water moving through there. Yeah. But it is much smaller, much more friendly, much easier to get in it and just cool down. Mm -hmm. Some of the swimming holes are like, it, you can truly have a swimming hole. It's not just a current all the time in front yeah. of Yeah. But the biggest thing is on the Applegate, it's private. And in many ways, it's more picturesque. It doesn't have the same overwhelming, like, oh my goodness, this thing is big and yeah, impressive. Powerful. Yeah, powerful. Yeah, powerful is a good word. But the Applegate is much more picturesque, more friendly, and definitely more private. Mm -hmm. I also put the Applegate River in the same category, for example, as Big Butte Creek and Little Butte Creek. Uh, and there's a handful of other creeks in the valley that in, in many other areas would probably be classified as rivers. Sure. Like they're significant bodies of water, not as big as the Applegate, <clears throat> but they're strong year-round spring-fed creeks that, that have fish in them. Oh, one of the other things as, as we go through this, every stream has a different set of rules for fishing. Yeah. So we'll get to that later. Yeah, that's its own yeah, can of worms. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, 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 we're not giving legal advice here. Yeah, no. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, but the strong creeks to me, um, again, same non-navigable status. Mm -hmm. They're private. They got good year-round flows. They're more picturesque. Uh, but, you know, again, they're not a, like as powerful as impactful. Yeah. But uh, the Applegate and those, and like Little Butte Creek and Big Butte Creek and some of those others, in many ways, are, are the, the target of many rural property buyers because you get the privacy aspect of it sure. as well. Uh, on the creek side, you do have some smaller year-round creeks that truly would be creeks and that some of them may be spring-fed. And some of those can be a true diamond in the, the rough, rough. Yeah. but but they're not they're not that same level of, of beauty or impressiveness, but they can be really cool still. And then almost every property, it feels like, has a seasonal creek on mm -hmm. it. But as drought has continued to be a thing... They've gone underground sometimes. Not sometimes. Oh, Some of these are like, like one month out of the year creeks. Yeah. Like right after a rain for two days and then it's you have dry. water. Yeah. Um, so seasonal creeks just because it's on a map does not mean it's, it's a creek. Area. It may mean it's just a stream of rock, dry rocks. Yeah. And there's like, yeah, there's layers in there. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So uh, from the rivers and creek side, that's kind of a summary of what we see, you know, here as different options. And I think it's pretty similar in your area. The waters aren't quite as big over there and you have some candidly some better fly fishing opportunities yeah and it, it's like like you touched on i mean like the the deschutes river i think is going to be kind of akin to the rogue where you're going to be able to just about a quarter the size yeah it's much smaller but you're able to float on it you're restricted from fishing from boats mm -hmm. and so you're able to access other people's land from below the high water mark and so yeah. forth and then you know very similar to the applegate but again on a smaller scale you have like the fall river the crooked river non-navigable yeah but excellent fishing Beautiful privacy, mm -hmm. quintessential, picturesque, stunningly beautiful. Yeah, like the Fall River is like a friggin' aquarium. Like it is just you can see. Right we don't. The bottom. We don't have anything. Gin clear, they call it. Gin, gin clear. clear. Gin clear. That's exactly right. It the is, Wood River is another one that's just like that over in Klamath. Yes, exactly. I was just yeah. there the other day, and it's stunning. So yeah. Yes. So there's a wide variety of these things, but they all kind of fall into the same baskets across yep. the board. Yep. Switching gears from, from the stream river kind of setting to other types of bodies of water. 
Uh, one thing that I think um, we don't have a lot of in, in, in Southern Oregon, but it's lakefront property. Mm -hmm. uh, other areas on the coast, uh, 10 miles got a ton of lakefront houses. And mm -hmm. as you go north, there's a bunch of other places that have lakefront properties. We have some cabins around here that are pseudo lakefront. They're mm -hmm. kind of resort cabin yeah. type deal. Lake of the Woods is true lakefront. Right. Um, yeah. But you know, you got Diamond Lake, you got Fish Lake, cabins, different things. Mm -hmm. uh, but we don't have a lot of lakefront. Like I know where my family's from back in, in Carolina is like lakefront property. Is it's a big thing. deal. Yeah. Like there are thousands, millions of houses, it feels like on lakes. And I noticed like in the fishing population, depending on whether you're a West Coast person or East Coast person, how people define lakes versus ponds is kind of an, a, a slippery slope of defin definition. Five acres. Five acres. I was five acres. Five acre lake. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And they'll call it a lake and they'll put, you know, bass in it, they'll put yeah. perch in it. But yeah, people have different definitions of what a lake is. Yeah. And I think technically speaking, five acres is division line. Yeah. So um, that is the next thing I was going to. So we don't have a lot of shared like true big lake, like lakefront. There's a little bit here, there. Um, like I said, I, I've sold one property on 10 mile. I've sold a cabin up at, at uh, Diamond Lake, a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, possibly my favorite feature though, is a private lake. Mm -hmm. I have sold a couple of properties that had true private lakes. And what I mean by that is, and they're typically irrigation reservoirs. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're classified as a reservoir, but yeah. they function like a private lake. Uh, some of them range in size generally. The biggest one our company was involved with had 60 surface acres. Wow. Okay. That was back in the day, Indian Lake Ranch. Garrett did that. Okay. Yeah, that's a big lake. I have been involved with a, one that was 10 acres and one that was five acres. Okay. And these private lakes, first off, it's amazing fishing for kids. You can get on a boat. And go paddle around. Go yeah. paddle around. You can go paddleboard. You know, you have full control over it. You can stock it with whatever fish you want within the basic guidelines of the yeah. state. You can use it for irrigation. These, well, the ones I was talking about. Yeah. Um, you could. Uh, you can, one of them, the guy wakeboarded on it. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, it was really yeah. awesome. <laughs> Hard like, he, he had it set up for, for wakeboarding. That's it was pretty phenomenal. Slick. Yeah. Uh, but if I had to pick, you know, stream lake, you know, all those different things, Rogue River. I'm either in my mind, like a really cool setting where I own both sides of a Applegate or both sides of a strong Creek Yeah. or on private lake. Mm -hmm. Like me, I, I love privacy. Like that's, that's, that's where I look at, uh, those lake properties at any one time, there may be zero on the market for a whole year Yeah. or longer. The, the next thing is we kind of go down the spectrum of, of these reservoirs is ponds. Yeah. And ponds are a slippery slope. Most of the, when you get a five acre or better body of water, they're permitted. Yeah. Like they've gone through the steps with Oregon Water Resources to be permitted. You may have things you have to do. Ponds, on the other hand, can be kind of weird. Ponds are complicated. Yeah. Ponds can be permitted as a reservoir. They can be permitted. And this is, you know, a lot of these are like quarter acre kind of things. Mm -hmm. They can... Most of them are not permitted. Yeah, frankly. they're just a hole in the ground with water that somebody's... Yeah, and back in the training. 90s, like, everyone was supposed to register the ponds. Mm -hmm. So if you have a registered pond, like, that, that's where Good you should go. be. Yeah. But a lot of people didn't do it. In hindsight, I wish everyone would have, but it is what it is. Uh, but ponds also uh, can serve other purposes, not just aesthetics, not just fishing. 
if they're registered, you know, for reservoirs, they they're often part of an irrigation system. Yeah, and that's where you're time up where, where we you're are, dumping yeah. water into them from your irrigation source and then appropriating that water onto the property uh, through your irrigation system. Mm -hmm. Those are sometimes called bulges. They're sometimes called reservoirs. And sometimes called just a holding system. Uh, but ponds, again, like I said sometimes they can be really awesome. They're always good for shooting ducks. I was going to say, like, I, yeah, I call them. Yeah, they're they're always bulls. good for shooting ducks. <laughs> But, uh, you know, there's definitely things to be aware of. And also they can be a, just a giant mosquito trap. Yep. So that is awesome. Uh, that happen. So if I had the choice between having a property that did have a pond or didn't, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Take a pond. There's totally things you can do with it. Yeah. Uh, would I rather have live water that was moving most of the time? Yeah. If I could have both. Every day of the week. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the last thing, you know, which isn't really a big deal for either of our hometowns mm. is ocean. Yeah. Uh, still haven't knocked that one off my bucket list. Yeah. But, you know, the waterfront aspect of ocean, especially the view side of it, you know, we know as a real estate market as a whole is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. Look at California. Oh my like, gosh. Oh my yeah. goodness. You get this little sliver over your 25th neighbor's roof and you, like, have ocean. you get a million dollar premium. Yeah, exactly. Like ridiculous. But, mm -hmm. uh, but, but those are the kinds of, you know, really it's, it's the big rivers the smaller non-navigable rivers, the strong creeks, the different kinds of creeks, the lakes and the ponds, ponds. that we're you know, constantly trying to kind of sift through for people. Mm -hmm. The one common thing with all that, scarcity. Yeah, there, is a, there are not a lot of those properties. If you want to come look at five waterfront properties today between a million and $2 million that has a decent house in Southern Oregon, mm -hmm. I don't know if I can show you five. Sure. I might be able to show you two, uh, you know, that have some acreage. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's just the scarcity aspect of live water. Uh, you know, even when we have bigger inventories, it was a little bit different, but they still moved uh, probably 30 to 50% more consistently than properties without live water. Mm -hmm. So. Makes sense. And then when you're qualifying people too, you know, a lot of people start talking about being on the water. Yep. But then, I don't know about you, but the conversation I end up having people is about, well, do you need to be on or do you need to access them? Correct. Like, do you, like, what are you actually going to do with this body of water? Do you need to be right here? Right. Or can you drive five minutes? Yeah. Or can you or walk? Right. Yeah, exactly. Or a bike. Yeah. Yeah. And that access is a twofold thing. It also can be from your property. Sure. Am I fine with high bank? And I'm just looking at it because mm -hmm. I'm 75 years old or 80 years old. And, and I want to hear the creek running or whatever. I just want to look at it. Yeah. Or is it all about physically being able to fish it? or being able to access it for swimming or whatever it is like. Yeah, and it, talk, it turns into a, a type of recreational use. So let's say we narrowed it down that I only wanna be on the Applegate River. Do I need to see it from my house? Do I wanna see it from every room in my house? <laughs> right, yeah. Am I okay with it just touching my property? Do, am I okay with high bank? Am I, do I need low bank? What, like what? Like the, it, it, live water is, an endless list of trade-offs. Yeah, and for each individual client that you're working with or for each individual person pursuing that, the uh, the requirements are gonna be entirely different. Correct. The other piece, obviously, we just touched on a couple times, was the, like the recreational opportunities. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, Big Butte Creek and Little Butte Creek are nearly closed fisheries. Okay. Amazing bodies, bodies of water to live on. Mm -hmm. But according to Fish and Game, can't throw a line in the water. You just get to watch the salmon swim by. <laughs> I 
I would die. <laughs> I would die. Like, come on, guys, let's yeah. go. So, yeah. you know, those kinds of things. Or for or the boating situation. Mm -hmm. Like, are you allowed to run a powerboat? Or is it drift boat only? Yeah. Uh, you know, swimming, is it safe? Is it not safe? When, like, for, yeah. for us in Central Oregon, too, it's are, can you have a motor on the boat? And if so, is it a gas-fed motor or is it an electric motor? Correct. And, and those bodies of waters differ. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then, you know, other things, I mean... One thing I think is really funny. First time people from out of the area jump in the Rogue River. Mm -hmm. Did I just jump in like a, a polar plunge? <laughs> it is like it is breathing. cold. Yeah. And it's cold all, all the way the through the year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, certain things like that, just like the general enjoyment of being on the water. Well, what do you plan to do? I want to swim or I want to be able to put my feet in the water. Great. Do you want a polar plunge? Because I'll take you to the Rogue. Yeah. But a slow moving swimming pool esque. Yeah. Vibe let's on go. Eddy. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go find a piece that's got some, you know, some water you can enjoy. It might yeah. end up being a pond. It might end up being, maybe get lucky and you have your own lake or something like that, depending yeah. on what your budget is. Uh, but like knowing what you're getting into, like yeah. even that, the silliest thing like that. The first time I jumped in the rogue, I was like, <laughs> I'm out of here. We're getting back out <laughs> yeah. right now because I can't feel my feet anymore. Yeah. It's cold. Yeah. It's really cold. So, um, you know, with that though, you know, again, we're talking about just this constant uh, trade-off. Mm -hmm. You want live water. It's not cookie cutter. Everything is different. There's another piece to live water that I think is is really difficult. And it comes back to the scarcity thing where, where people, people want live water. It comes back to the why. Mm -hmm. There is actually almost like an emotional or a therapeutic like part to water flowing by. And that's why people have those white noise machines. Yeah. I mean, it's a very- yeah. Or water features. Exactly. Like they spend a hundred grand building like this elaborate lazy river through their front yard. I'm exaggerating slightly, but- But it's true, yeah. And they got this little riffle right outside their bedroom. Yeah. Like there's there's the other piece to, to the live water that truly, and there there's definitely, I, I couldn't quote the studies that I read, but I've read about a couple times where there's there's true health benefits, de-stressing benefits to living on water. Absolutely. And, and like that was the, like the Sand Creek cabin that, that I sold, mm -hmm. like that had a year round creek on it, very small. There yeah. maybe was a fish in it. Yeah. You know, you could legally fish it, but that wasn't really the point. The people that ended up buying it, they wanted to go to the cabin pull out a lawn chair and sit and listen to the creek. That was like their end all be all happy place. Yeah. And that's entirely the emotionality of it. It's yeah. like, yeah, where do I go to feel good? Where do I go to like, if you live in a city, do you want to escape to a place that you can kind of just sit and de-stress all the stuff that you're carrying with you? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Uh, before we finish this conversation though, mm -hmm. there's definitely one thing, if we're going to touch on water, we got to talk about, about water, water rights. rights. Sure. <laughs> and we have a whole podcast on water rights, yep. which dives into the weeds. I just want a quick, I, just a quick reminder for all of you listening at home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Remember, there's a huge difference between living on water and having legal rights to said water. Yeah. You just because you touch the water doesn't mean you can use it. It belongs yeah. to the state, and you and you have to. You can know. recreationally use it. Yeah, but you don't have a right to deploy it. Correct. So if you want to irrigate with it, yeah, you need to have a water right. If you want to store it, you need to have a water right. Mm -hmm. If you want to use it for hydroelectric power, you yeah. still need a water right. <laughs> if you want to divert it for fish habitat, you still need a water right. If you want to store it for fire, even you still need a water right. 
So, not to harp on water rights. But not just a quick touch. Just, just a quick touch, <laughs> a, a quick reminder. Out. Look up that podcast we have on water, water rights, rights and listen for to a lot more information. Ten times. <laughs> no, that'll be painful. Oh, you got to listen well, to me well, for like, that'd be like ten hours of listening to me. Listen to Chris for, for, for an hour. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and then give us a call. We'll talk more about it. Yeah. So, question yes. for you. Yes. Name your top two or three bodies of water that you enjoy. The yeah, why? Okay. Okay. Great question. Thank you. Um, for me, like easiest to access, most beautiful place to take people, mm-hmm. the Fall River. Okay. And uh, this, it's already tracked out. It's already been blown out. I don't mind sharing it with everybody. <laughs> the Fall River is amazing. I mean, it is a spring-fed river that uh, you can literally park at the headwaters, watch the water bubble out. If you wanted to put a cup underneath it and drink it, I'm not recommending it, but you can. <laughs> and it is it is ice cold. It's a stocked uh, river, so the, it's fly fishing only. Mm-hmm. But it's if I like when my mom comes to visit, when I have friends from out of town, it's always on that short list of places to go take people and have yep. an amazing experience. Yep. Um, if you want to have the fly fishing event of a lifetime, the Deschutes River uh, during the the salmon fly hatch, and that is it's people flying from around the world is an epic uh, ecological event. You're watching bugs that are the size of my hand fly around and smack you in the face and then land on the water and watching a monster trout just come out and smack that thing. So you could literally throw any piece of floating something with a hook on it and they will be hammering. <laughs> so you mean I could actually catch a fish? You could catch the fish of a lifetime okay. on the Deschutes River during well, the salmon Call me. I will. Yeah, okay. it just happened, but you know, we'll get out there again. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a you know Memorial Day summertime activity. Um, and salmon fly hatch probably just happened on the rogue or is happening as we speak i've got the fly rods in the car yeah you should check that out before you go home i'm gonna do that yeah, yeah. um and then on the flip side of that you know where you know in bend as the as the deschutes moves through town there's the the whole floating aspect and social aspect we have the music down there at the hayden homes amphitheater so you can float the river with your friends, enjoy your time out there, and also listen to, you know, uh, Chris Stapleton was just out there. Mm-hmm. And Erica took photos of the sunset, bright pinks, bright reds, bright purples. It looked like a highly saturated Sony photo, but it was just 100%, <laughs> 100% um, no filter. And then if you if you wanted to access something a little bit different, we do have some reservoirs out there. Prineville Reservoir is great. Um, there's all the high lakes. Crane Prairie is one of my favorites for the mix between fishing and hunting. Excellent duck hunting, amazing fishing. And then you're able to also run boats on it. So gotcha. like, those would be kind of my, my quick takeaways. Gotcha. What about you? I'm glad you started because I'm having to think about this for a minute. So I'm going to answer a little bit differently. Okay. I'm going to answer from a perspective of which one... Which one would I want to buy a piece of property on first? Mm-hmm. Now, if I couldn't buy a private lake, yeah. then I assume that I'm not quite in that income bracket yet. Fair. If I was going to live water, uh, I would be looking, first choice would be the Applegate River down here. Mm-hmm. And the second choices for me would be any of those Butte Creeks that I mentioned, uh, or there's a few other creeks that are have pretty consistent flows. But I, I'm a fan of those private, little bit bigger streams. Mm. I'd be, again, I'd be looking for a property that was on both sides of it because I really don't want to look at my neighbor right okay. across. Yeah. Uh, switching gears, if I had to pick you know, a favorite for fishing on the, on the, on the creek, river kind of side, um, I, I'm going to say 
I'm going to go with the Rogue mm-hmm. because that's the, obviously the low-hanging, ridiculously low-hanging fruit. Uh, but here's what I'm going to say. If you want to have a really good time, pay the mine hire a guide. Sure. Just go do it <clears throat> one or two times. It's not that expensive. Uh, if I'm speaking from a someone who hunts and shoots, not someone who fishes sure, yeah, all yeah. the time. But for me, like it make it's worth it, and it's a social event for me. We'll talk about that in the next podcast. Yeah, absolutely. But um, the last thing, though, if I'm going to um, something I just did a couple of weeks ago, it's a newfound fun passion for me is combining backpacking and fishing mm-hmm. and it, through the cascades there's an area called the sky lake wilderness yeah it's like 110,000 acres i forget how many lakes are up there but hundreds mm-hmm. there's some gyms i believe in there yeah and sorry but i'm not going to go any further i'm Fair. not naming not naming lakes don't name spots <laughs> but there's some gyms up there and beautiful country and you know some of them only you know half a mile walk into pretty easy some of them are five ten mile kind of trips round trip um but two weekends ago if i would have put even a little bit more effort i would have caught 50 berkeys man in a day i need to go up there sometime yeah i, I saw those photos with you and ben it looked incredible yeah. up there i was slacking hardcore like i my heart really wasn't in the fishing i was just enjoying being there and hanging yeah. out with my son but if i would have been like if i would have fished hard mm-hmm. I mean, I, I had probably 35 brookies on the, on the line, oh, landed about 20. That's awesome. Yeah. Were you fly fishing or using trad gear? You're All spinners. All just, spinners. Yeah, just okay. a little dinky, little spinning rod. That's awesome. And just panther martins and rooster tails. Yeah. Um, you know, just, it, it was, and they were, it, they were hungry. It sounds like a blast. Yeah. And I, I mean, I caught a couple that were in that range, but most yeah. of them were fairly dinky, but it was still that's, a blast. That's awesome. So yeah, that the new thing for me is is the combining like the backpacking, camping with going to a place to fish. Yeah, and I've accidentally discovered some of those places while I've been out hunting. Yeah, and you know, particularly during bow season, and look out on this little like alpine lake, and all of a sudden you start seeing fish start hitting the surface. Mm-hmm. So I started carrying like this little tiny fishing tackle box with a couple hooks, weights, and a you know line. Yeah, because it's like why not? If yeah. you're out there, enjoy it. Yeah. I think that's what we're supposed to talk about today. Yeah. I think that's a wrap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, guys. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you tuning in. And uh, yeah, hope more you to come. More to come. Have a good day.